come to Danville because we have excellent health care thanks to our broadband and our health care facilities use of the broadband. So that becomes an economic development tool. This is episode 336 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This week, industry analyst and host of the Gigabit Nation podcast, Craig Settles, takes some time to talk to Christopher about telehealth. For the past few years, he's been focusing on the ways communities can use high-quality Internet access to make high-quality health care available to folks in rural and urban areas. In this conversation, Craig and Christopher discuss how telemedicine has evolved into telehealth and the differences between the two. They also discuss the way telehealth improves the quality of life for people with access to it and the way access to telehealth creates economic development opportunities. They also discuss the perks of telehealth to network owners because the ability to use the infrastructure for these applications increase interest for patients, healthcare providers, and investors. Craig also explains how local communities can approach specific challenges related to healthcare regulations. You can see more of Craig's work at cjspeaks.com. Now here's Christopher and Craig Settles on telehealth and economic development. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, talking with my friend Craig Settles out in Oakland. Welcome to the show, Craig. (laughs) Ah, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. We've been talking broadband stuff for like, what, eight, nine years and stuff? So Yeah, 12 well, I guess I've been in it for 12. I've probably known you for eight or nine. You know, this it's a funny thing because there's a number of people who I think, just because I'm so loud and obnoxious, that they assume I've been around since the beginning. But you you go way back, well, be, well before I got started in this business. How did you get into this? It was a fluke. I was writing a book um, where I was interviewing um, CIOs to talk about wireless technology. and. Um, the uh, Philadelphia announcement that they were going to build uh, Wi-Fi citywide caught my attention because Philadelphia generally is not on the leading edge of technology, uh, you know, at that time. And so, and I'm from Philly, and so I said, well, why don't I just include um, the CIO for the the city of Philadelphia to talk about, um, you know, the process of how they built their plan for Wi-Fi, right? It was all about the planning thing. How do you make this thing work? And that um, was such an interesting story, I felt, that I wrote a book about just that. And I have been in this business since 2005 with the launch of, you know, how do you do the planning for citywide, like I said at the time, it was citywide, um, Wi-Fi, but it's just basically morphed into broadband across the board and whatever kind of technology that you use to get that internet connection to as many people in your city or town as possible. And you've been doing this uh, as part of your own company, CJ Speaks, right? You're, that's where you're the official president of it. Right. It was uh, at the time it was successful.com. Um, I was primarily working with private sector companies and uh, I had moved 
from software and general kinds of high tech to wireless in 2001. And I got really interested in the concept of citywide uh, wireless or broadband because of a company I worked with that was uh, called Ricochet. And they had the concept of hanging these uh, Wi-Fi transmitters in, on telephone poles throughout the city. And, um, and that whole concept really caught my eye and, um, and through a couple of weird changes and, and so forth, I got into the broadband, as I mentioned with the, uh, with the Philadelphia announcement. And so here is here I, where I've been. More recently, you've been focused on, uh, telemedicine doing some research on that. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, let me ask you, what, what do you mean by telemedicine when you're, when you're researching it and writing your articles about it? What does that mean? So right now, we're talking about telehealth, right? When we were talking about just the um, you know, treatments and being able to talk to your doctor and so forth, that was telemedicine, if you will, right? But people have now realized that Broadband basically can affect various aspects of um, healthcare, including uh, obviously treatments and uh, and so forth. But using the broadband to facilitate radiology, you know, your MRIs, your X-rays, and so forth, being able to um, get information from a uh, crash site or some sort of major activity where it makes sense to um, get data, you know, medical data from or about individuals to some other, you know, hospital or clinic or so forth. And it can be, you know, a number of ways that, that they can do that. And then we also just like passing the knowledge of, you know, medical uh, practice and so forth that the average person can pick up. So when you look at all of these aspects of healthcare and knowledge about healthcare and so forth, and you put a nice little um, label, call it telehealth, and then you add in the broadband element of it where, you know, you're basically trying to um, get people to understand that the internet is a great way to transport all types of medical data. And so that becomes this sort of discipline called telehealth. And, you know, why this makes sense is that telehealth or healthcare, if you want to look at it, you know, that way, that can be impacted by these community networks. Just about everybody at some point is going to be you know, a recipient of healthcare, or you're going to know somebody, you're going to be responsible for someone. And, and so um, healthcare and telehealth is a integral part of life as we know it. And so if I can use the broadband network to facilitate that healthcare delivery, or just the knowledge that, um, you know, of, of healthcare and, and medical terms and so forth, there's a value for that. And that's what I've been trying to uh, focus on and educate people about in the last year in particular. 
Let me let me be a little bit provocative. And I feel like a lot of people, they, they hear it and they think, oh, talking to your doctor over video chat. That's like the obvious one. It strikes me. What else? Like, is there anything in your research where you're thinking, oh, interesting. Like, I didn't think of that as telehealth, but, but we can do this interesting thing that will have major health outcomes. Well, for example, um, yeah, so I had, a, I had a stroke a couple of years ago. And um, when I went to the hospital, well, the taken, um, my neurologist that runs the Alameda Hospital uh, Stroke Center, she was um, at her home uh, half an hour away, but she was able to uh, see everything that the emergency doctors saw, all the stats and so forth, and she was able to start um, treatment um, within 35 minutes, right? And so what got me to thinking was that if I didn't have that um, internet connection, I wouldn't have been able to have uh, survived, right? And so if I look at um, all of these rural areas, uh, low-income urban areas and so forth, the ability to get needed medical care is crippled by just the fact that they're at a distance. They're somewhere in, you know, uh, Appalachia or what have you, where they don't have good medical care, right? Well, broadband can be the instrument that facilitates not only your doctor visit, right, which is the more common thing, but chronic care, being able to have uh, people who are, you know, elderly, being able to live at home rather than being in an institution because they, if they have the broadband connection, they can get their various medical care, you know, that way. Uh, you have a lot of chronic illnesses such as diabetes where there's a regimen that you have to follow, right? It's easier to do that when you can do it from home with, you know, your access to uh, medical personnel, right? Whether it's a specialist, whether it's a, you know, local doctor or what have you, but it affects more than just, you know, your random visit for a cold or strep throat. We're talking changing our method of care, of health care, so that it is enabled by broadband, high-speed internet access. And that's the driving force, I think, for why you'd want to, you know, build one of these networks. You know, besides the, you know, the obvious, there's all kinds of health care practices that can be facilitated by having uh, all of your people, whether it's wireless or fiber or some, you know, variation thereof, that has significant um, financial input, uh, impact. It has a uh, economic development impact, a quality of life so that, you know, we talk about, um, you know, all you know, the entertainment aspect of, you know, broadband, but there's some serious healthcare types of practices that can be done that improve your overall quality of life in a small town or, you know, a big town even for that matter. Of that, I have no doubt. 
um, you know, and I, I think we're going to, we're going to talk in a, in a few minutes about aging in place where there's obvious, um, you know, tremendous implications for that and local economic benefits and things like that. But let's take the perspective of the network owner. How, how does telehealth, how does that help me, you know, um, raise the capital and pay off the debt, uh, to operate and build my network? Well, um, one, if, I am building a network to just deliver connectivity that has a value and you can go find money for it and so forth. Right. But if you are saying to, you know, potential investors or even like government agencies, we're going to transform the quality of healthcare in our city by having a broadband network Right where the in, where the endpoint is the improved medical care, a lot of people get really excited about that, both from a government standpoint, but also uh, you know philanthropic organizations, um, uh, community foundations, and so forth. So from an aspect of raising money, I think you can get more oomph for your. Uh, effort if you're telling people that the primary reason we're doing this is that we're going to improve the quality of uh, of healthcare in that area. The second aspect is um, it becomes an economic development issue. Like if I look at Danville, Virginia, right? So they've built a network initially to drive uh, issues of uh, unemployment, right? So they, they that was their initial goal. But the hospital got together with all the clinics and so forth, and they created sort of a subnetwork, if you will, where all of their services were connected and so forth. And so they were able to market this aspect of, you know, come to our town, whether you're talking about an individual or a business coming into town, um, come to Danville because we have excellent health care. Thanks to our broadband and our uh, various healthcare facilities, use of the broadband, right? So that becomes an economic development tool. I like the point about Danville because there's something that they can do as the network owner. I, I presume that in connecting their healthcare facilities, for instance, they can connect them to each other uh, using basically a private network. Um, you know, they're not sending that traffic over the public internet, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, in part because HIPAA has all kinds of regulations as to how you treat this data. Um, but I'm, what I'm really curious about is if you're a community that, that wants to get a lot of enthusiasm, perhaps from community foundations, to demonstrate that, that you can improve local health outcomes, are there things you have to do that are different from what you would normally do if you were just building a, a business model to operate a fiber network? I would look at it as um, very similar to hooking up your hospitals in general, right? The applications that you would use for, say, for telehealth, right? Those and those vendors would address the issues of HIPAA security and so forth. And so I wouldn't necessarily expect the community network owner to be responsible for that, right? They would basically make the, uh, you know, put the connections together. If you're going to do, I think in the case of Danville, they created separate strands specifically for 
customers that wanted, you know, wanted to have a, like a private network within the bigger Danville network. When it comes to the specific applications, there are the uh, requirements for the provider of those applications, or maybe even a better way to explain it. So in, in Arkansas, they have a public statewide network. They have vendors that work with the, um, the one of the main hospitals created a um, telestroke application. But in that build out of, of the application, all of these issues related with HIPAA, HIPAA and so forth is addressed there, not necessarily the, uh, you know, the infrastructure owner, right? So I think right. that, that that, that's the important thing to keep in mind, right? Um, you know, what I'm uh, advocating is not that the network owner get into the business of telehealth, but they want to facilitate getting all of these components pulled together in some organized way. Now, you may have a telehealth vendor such as DoCity, uh, which is D-O-S-I-T-Y, where they will work with a, uh, a city's network owner to create a marketing or a joint marketing activity, right? So they might provide a um, a discount specifically for the network subscribers. So anytime they use those cities product, the network owner, you know, the city gets maybe some spiff, I think is the sales term. And then the network subscriber may have a, the, some, you know, some sort of bonus or a discount or what have you. So in that in that respect, you know, it's a partnership. But again, it's not the city getting into the the business of telehealth. But I think that what is important is I would look at it the same way of uh, doing a uh, needs analysis and a plan for a overall general network. I do a similar kind of needs analysis to say what is it that the constituents would like would they you know are they interested in aging in place are they you know concerned with being able to access specialists and so forth right and by that need on paper and how many people have that then you you know as the network owner can say to the you know the community the the, the telehealth community we have you know 2000 users uh, we have 40% are concerned with uh, aging in place and all of that means we have 20% that are concerned with, you know, getting in touch with their family doctor and so forth. And now you can then draw the telehealth community in because you've done the, the research to figure out what it is that people need. You can then figure out also, you know, should we be doing uh, telehealth in the schools, right? With, you know, using the school nurses, you know, do the small businesses, you know, would they be interested in having telehealth at their premise, right? As you get all of this type of information, you can help, number one, figure out, you know, how to build your infrastructure, you know, the broadband infrastructure, but also what kinds of 
partnerships and other activity that you want to either encourage or actually do more hands-on. For example, Chattanooga, they did a pilot using a particular vendor's product, uh, Doe City, and they did what we call it six months of testing that product with uh, several of the local doctors in Chattanooga and also to uh, you know some of some set of subscribers. Chattanooga saw a value in telehealth as something that they could facilitate in one way, form, or fashion with their network. And this is not something that's primarily an engineering or a networking challenge then. It's really uh, social. It's, uh, it's talking to, to businesses, to hospitals, to your, your, um, your subscribers and things like that, it sounds like. Well, it is. But like, for example, um, I had a conversation with Dublin, uh, Ohio, right? They have a network that primarily goes to businesses and institutions, right? For a network such as that, right, and there, and there are a lot of those in the U.S., if the constituents said, you know what, we really want to do uh, telehealth, we want to make it easier, we want to make it affordable, we want to make it, you know, reach all of our, you know, our citizens in our particular area, right? At that point, then you have to figure out, well, do you use fiber to get to those homes? Do you do a uh, fixed wireless, uh, you know, infrastructure and so forth? So there can be indeed a an engineering component depending on what, you know, what you're starting with and what it is that you want the network to, to, to be able to do, right? If you're concerned about getting people on board for telehealth, right? You might want to have, uh, you know, some additional engineering to make the redundant infrastructure to make sure that like you and I just experienced where uh, CenturyLink went out. You don't want to have people doing healthcare and all of a sudden, you know, the network doesn't function at that particular time. So you want to have probably some element of redundancy as a, you know, as part of the, you know, the engineering process, but, you know, it probably built in necessarily, you know, more so than, you know, we want to build a separate network. Craig, as we're, as we're wrapping up here, um, I think, you know, we see this a lot in, in the press. Um, mental health is increasingly a concern. Uh, what, what, how does that intersect with what we've been talking about? If you're going to, if you're going to um, facilitate that type of telehealth, you've got to make sure that your network can handle among all the other things that the the home might be doing is a video connection, right? So if you're planning for like, maybe there's two uh, main applications that people are going to do like Netflix and something else, you know, education. Well, now you got to figure out, well, if you have a lot of people doing mental health types of telehealth, then you've got to make sure that you have that infrastructure in place that will support those types of activities. And I think that's really what you're looking at is that if I want to have different types of applications that are telehealth focused, then I've got to have an infrastructure that can handle that for half of your population, two thirds of your population. You know, you have to sort of do research to figure out 
you know, how much of your population would be uh, affected uh, by this kind of application, but you want to build accordingly is what I think when it comes back to. Craig, let me ask you for people who are interested in learning more, um, where, where should they go? Where are you writing about this? And, um, and we'll get to your, your podcast in a second, but where are you writing about this? On my website, which is cjspeaks.com, there are two reports on telehealth and broadband. Uh, my blog, my text blog, talks a little bit about uh, telehealth. And then I have a number of articles that are in my section on columns and articles. I, I would say as a general uh, resource, many of, many of the states have a telehealth resource center and you can talk to them about the telehealth world, you know, within that particular state. And I think it'd be a very good way to get an education on telehealth, but also understand how it's being used or how it's being applied in your particular state. And then let's let's close by just noting that you are also a podcast host. What's uh, what's been happening with your show lately? I see show uh, episodes popping up in my feed from time to time. Yes, I do have uh, Gigabit Nation, and in fact, there is an interview I did with uh, the doctor, well, one of the doctors that is involved with the Tadnuga pilot program, and so um, that's actually really good you know, if you're interested in telehealth, uh, you know, from the uh, doctor's perspective or a doctor's within a place where you have a community broadband network, uh, that would be a good uh, interview to listen to. Great. Well, thank you, Craig. I, I really appreciate you coming on to uh, share your, your research with us. Glad to be of assistance. That was Christopher with analyst and speaker Craig Settles on telehealth and economic development. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, and the Local Energy Rules Podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. And while you're there, please take a moment to donate. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 336 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <laughs> <laughs>